Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Foran. This week, I'm so thrilled to have Becca Holland. She will be known on Instagram as Health with Holland, and she's absolutely massive over there. People are tuning in every day to hear her pearls of wisdom around managing our adrenals and balancing cortisol. So I wanted to have her on to talk specifically about cortisol in relation to anxiety. Is too much cortisol a bad thing? Is too little cortisol a bad thing? Why does cortisol or lack thereof or too much of it give rise to anxiety? How do we manage it? And her approach to, she's got such a realistic, practical, no bullshit approach to trying to achieve this balance, which we know we should all be aiming for, which in in real life for most people is just elusive. Um, so we have a really good quick chat here, um, really just get down to the point and try to answer as many questions as possible about cortisol. And um, yeah, for me, it was super, super duper informative, especially when it comes to um, the somatic movement, which she talks about towards the end of the podcast, which was something I hadn't really thought of before um, when it comes to managing anxiety. So I hope you find it helpful. I hope you're taking care of yourself. It's a mad world out there right now. I know I've touched on that in recent episodes. Um, It's a lot and there's a lot of pressure coming up to this time of year. So mind yourself, give yourself a time out with this episode and I will be back very soon. Becca Holland, thank you so much for being a guest and owning it, the Anxiety Podcast. I have been dying to have you on. You are a superstar on social media. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Delighted to be on this. Love the topic of this podcast. Thank you. You have just exploded. I mean, I, th- I saw you post that you aren't even that long on social media and the kind of content you have been sharing is obviously so needed and so valuable and helpful. And it's amazing to see that kind of content do well in a world where it's usually about, you know, outfits and makeup, which yeah. I as well. But it's nice to see that, you know, something a bit bit more um, substantial is growing in popularity because it's really important information. What I want to talk to you today about is 
obviously anxiety is the specific focus of this podcast, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around hormonal health, adrenal health, our adrenal glands. Cortisol is a word we hear all the time. And I'm not sure people maybe who aren't following you are super clear on the relationship between cortisol and anxiety. Um, so if that sounds good to you, we'll just we'll just answer as many questions as we can to inform people. Absolutely, absolutely. So I spoke with a client the other day about the connection between a dysregulated nervous system and how that then triggers, we'll say, dysregulated cortisol. So a dysregulated nervous system just being that your body is kind of in fight or flight mode and you're feeling that chronic stress feeling. And that could be triggered by simply eating a diet that isn't balanced and your blood sugars are imbalanced. That can trigger that feeling of stress in the body, as can the normal things like relationships, work stress, and all of them kind of ones. But I think with dysregulated cortisol, there's a lot of reasons why it can happen so of course I'll be in a stress hormone and the likes of myself yourself and a lot of women are living a life where we have jobs we have kids and everything is really busy and because that's normalized in society we don't realize that that is potentially in itself a way to dysregulate our nervous system and create dysregulation of cortisol in the body so just because you don't have these widely stressful circumstances doesn't mean that the body isn't feeling the stress yeah and if you're mentally not feeling it it might be physically there so I think that's the most important thing to remember a lot of women come to me and say like I have a job I have kids it's not it's not a disaster I'm not that stressed but then when they look at um symptoms they do have all the symptoms of of dysregulated cortisol which would be like you maybe you find it really hard to shift weight because you're constantly craving sugar you're constantly feeling anxious you have that 3 a.m wake up and you're just feeling that constant state of anxiety, but that's become normal. So you're not really like, there's not really red flags for you because you think, well, this is me and all my friends feel like this all the time. We always have a massive to-do list and this is just normal, you know? But I think that's the most important thing for women is to realize that there's no such thing as normal. We're all completely different. We all absorb stress in a completely different way. And your circumstances, yes, obviously they play a part, but a lot of it is how you um, feel the stress and how you manage the stress. So I think that's the most important thing. Everyone understanding that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You may have dysregulated cortisol or you may have um, chronic stress, even though your life on paper seems easy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a huge part of the problem with anxiety when it becomes really debilitating is people and I know I felt this way years ago, feeling like they have no right to feel how they feel or, you know, they can't justify it. And you're yes. trying so hard to be like, oh, I, I mean, I have everything going for me. Like, why am I feeling this way? And you're, internally, your body doesn't really care. Like if, if we just come down to the nuts and bolts of hormones, it doesn't matter how privileged you might be perceived to be. Absolutely. Your body is still responding to stress. Um, you mentioned women a lot there. Obviously, like my listeners are, are broad. I think there's probably more of a skew towards women, but everything I share, both men and women should be applying it because- Often, actually, I have a lot of men in my programs and that follow me um, because they're experiencing stress from like the pressures of having to provide financially from their career. From there's, there's a lot of reasons why men in a different way have really high stress in their life. But it's even more difficult for men because um, I suppose the perception that they have to bottle it all up and not speak about it. So I had a, a person message me the other day and he's actually... Um, 
quite well-known man and he's very successful and he wanted help because he was, I suppose, trying to build a business empire plus manage a family life. And on paper, actually, he looked like everything was so perfect. And I was kind of taken aback because he was experiencing debilitating anxiety and he was barely like in his personal life, he just crashed because all his energy and effort went into trying to maintain this persona during his day when he was at work. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot both men and women experience in this day and age because society expects so much from us. Um, I also have another example of a lady that had um, applied to my coaching who, again, somebody really well known, really successful, actually owns a Pilates business that's really well known. And she like experiencing a lot of anxiety and it's just it really would shock you the people you think aren't anxious and have that perfect life they're often the ones that are putting a huge amount of pressure on themselves and they're actually experiencing a lot of the hormone imbalances that both men and women experience yeah can you give me a brief explanation of the adrenal system and I suppose if it differs between men and women what is our adrenal system what is our adrenal gland so the adrenals are on top of our kidneys and they produce our stress hormone cortisol for both men and women. And women and I suppose men, their endocrine systems differ in the sense that women, we always talk about estrogen and progesterone and cortisol can very much impact how balanced them hormones are. And that's the thing to remember about cortisol. It's like a, a domino effect. If cortisol is dysregulated, it impacts many other hormones. So you'll realize that it's not just isolated one hormone that, you know, is dysregulated and then the rest are fine. They're all linked. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that, like for a man, for example, if they have dysregulated cortisol, often their testosterone is low. If a woman has dysregulated cortisol, often their progesterone is low. So it's very important to realize that our hormone hormones in general are also connected. Yeah. And cortisol is is the, I guess, gets a lot of bad press. Um, do we all want to have lower cortisol in our body? Is that the goal? No. So in terms of cortisol, that's the hormone that does so much in our body. It wakes us up in the morning. We need balanced cortisol. Okay. Like you have an issue if you have too high or too low, like every hormone. So you want it in a balanced place. And in order to put it in a balanced place, initially it's about going back to basics and dysregulated cortisol is very linked to how we manage stress and how we sleep so it it isn't rocket science at all and it's not an overcomplicated thing once we're doing all the balanced you know lifestyle changes normally that will massively help regulate it but the people that are doing all the steps right but they're still not seeing regulation of it are normally the ones with that deep anxiety or that they're deeply chronically stressed and it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of tools, a lot of consistency and perseverance to regulate it. So sometimes it could be frustrating because you're like, okay, I've done a month of eating healthy, going to bed with a really clean sleep routine. I've been exercising. I've been doing everything, you know, by the book, but they're not seeing a change yet. And that depends on previous factors. So like, for example, if you had trauma or if you've had a really chronically stressful job for many years, the longer you've been in chronic stress and have had anxiety, it can take that little bit longer to regulate, obviously, yeah. like everything. If if anxiety is present in someone, whether it's, you know, daily just anxiety, like a background of anxiety, or if it's 
for a lot of my listeners and the way it was for me, which is crippling, like you're ill with anxiety, mm. is, is higher, is too high cortisol always a factor in that scenario? Um, it usually would be because when we're anxious, we're normally in fight or flight mode. And that's like when cortisol's high, adrenaline's high, and we're in that period of, I suppose, just been dysregulated. But if you've had that for a long period of time, the adrenals will say, okay, we've been doing this for a long amount of time. Like we're, we're done here. And you go into um, low cortisol levels. Okay? okay. So you've been flying high for a long time, very high, doing lots of things, fight or flight mode, anxious, but then you hit a wall and you feel, wow, my energy is just zapped. I'm chronically fatigued. And when you get labs done, it shows up that it's low cortisol, even though you're feeling really stressed. So that's something to bear in mind. Anyone with adrenal fatigue, um, or have been chronically stressed for a long time, they're the ones that it can show up in the labs, low cortisol, but often the symptoms of low and high cortisol are very similar and the way you treat both is very similar. Um, and a, I think a lot with it as well is understanding that because a lot of people, bloods and lab work really confuse them because they're like, wow, I'm feeling so anxious and so stressed, but my cortisol is low. Mm, yeah, it's definitely... It's definitely, I think, uh, like ostensibly quite confusing, but when you explain it, it's it's pretty straightforward. I want to ask you about the difference between like what's happening in our bodies when we have, say, for example, a really stressful meeting or you've got put on the spot and your anxiety goes through the roof. What's happening hormonally then versus the more chronic anxiety where it's just like, for me, I would describe it as it's just stuck in my limbs for a few days and I, I can't shake it. So what's like, what would the hormonal picture be there when you get that real burst of, would it be more a case of adrenaline and then it rises and it falls and you're okay again? Or what's, yeah, what's going on there? So I'll go back to 2020. I'm a single parent of three-year-old twins. And in 2020, me and their dad separated. And I felt a lot of that like kind of debilitating anxiety that year and in terms of how that manifests in the body it's very subjective very much dependent on the situation um so for me I was in fight or flight mode for quite a while adrenaline was high cortisol was high and then you after you weren't sleeping I wasn't sleeping definitely not with the twins but also it wasn't really just the twins waking me up at night it was me not been able to go back to sleep after they woke me because the anxiety would really kick in, as you know, in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And and that's really hard because we're so exhausted in the night, but we can't get back to sleep. Um, so our body's like pumping adrenaline, cortisol's high. And um, so like the 3 a.m. wake up, for example, when people wake in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep, like that's a huge part of why anxi- like really debilitating anxiety is so tough because it's like a vicious cycle. We're anxious, we can't sleep. Bad sleep makes anxiety worse, loop, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's like a really, really difficult part of it. But usually there's two factors playing that. One is um, the high levels of cortisol because the body's like, right, we need to escape from j- danger. You need to get up. So that's like that. And the adrenaline kicks in as well. So it's like, we're anxious and stressed. We need to be on high alert. So that's why the sleep is is so tricky. Um, But the tools, I suppose, when you're looking at that is really going back to basics with the blood sugar balance can play a factor because when we have high cortisol or when we're stressed, our blood sugars are normally a little bit out of balance. So it's having that 
you know, blood sugar balancing diet with the fat, the protein, the greens. But it's also about learning. And this is, I suppose, the crux of it, really learning how to self-regulate and how what tools specifically suit you. So like in all my resources, there is everything from like breath work to body scans to vagus nerve exercises and to somatic work. Um, But it's about finding the team of exercises that suit you as a specific individual. So if I told you, Caroline, go off there and do breath work and do some yoga and do um, Vegas Nerve Exercise, you wouldn't know which one suits you until you've trialed and find a set that really work for you. I think that's the place where people get confused because they think, oh, I'm doing all the stuff I was told to do, but they don't necessarily enjoy any of it or feel it's effective. So it's just about finding... Exactly. Do you find that also there's a tendency to, you know, in everything you're describing there, it's it's clear that balance, whether it's blood sugars or hormones or diet or everything, balance is so hard to not only achieve, but like keep there, you know, with li- like all the stresses you describe of life, like, you know, you could be doing great one day, but like, right, I feel like I'm on top of things. I've had the right kind of food. I'm, I'm getting my good sleep. And then just anything happens and throws you out of whack. Do you think that we're creating an anxiety around trying to be in control and be in balance when it's maybe not possible. Like would part of the balance be require like a, a relaxed mindset approach to the fact that balance is quite hard to achieve? A hundred percent. I think the last year I've really noticed that like life is meant to have stressful periods. It is normal. It's normal for us to go off track and to overeat and to feel like a sloth and not want to exercise like that's the bumps in the road that is life and I think you create this expectation if you expect oh I've I'm so great at stress management I should never feel stress again that's not the aim at all it's just been trying to create that resilience through the inevitable stress that's going to happen like we know when you have young kids or um, when you have a really high stress job like there's going to be days where it's really hard to get up in the morning and you're feeling that kind of um you're feeling a bit anxious and that's like, I don't think any in the world can avoid that. Like, even if you're a monk, you're still going to have um, parts of your life that are difficult. And for women as well, like there's parts of the cycle that it's, we're not as good at managing stress than other parts of the cycle. Like the week before our period, progesterone drops. So it's a little bit harder to manage stress. Um, So it's just knowing that and the progress over perfection mantra is something that's my clients and groups are, it's so drilled into them because it's that self-compassion that's needed. And that's actually evolved into a huge part of, I suppose, like compassion-focused therapy and anyone that's trying to manage anxiety. It's that self-compassion that's so important to know that I am a human. I am not a robot. It is very normal for me to experience days that I don't feel good. My mood is low and like life will get in the way. So I think once you kind of adopt that um, mindset where you're like, like, I'm just doing the best I can. And yeah. that's that's totally enough. And I am enough. I think that's, when you start to see progress, instead of saying, I have to do these three exercises every day and I have to go to the gym and I have to do all this wellness stuff, like that alone is a stress. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I want to ask you or get get your perspective on a, a recent experience I had. So something I've learned over time with myself, and this is common, I know, to like a lot of people listening, is when, if, if I have a, a wave of anxiety, and that's how I've always described it, like, I just could have, now it's very, very less common these days, but uh, two weeks ago, I just was vulnerable for whatever reason. I was a little bit tired of run down, stressed, the usual stuff. And I, I describe those as like vulnerability factors. And when there's a few of those at play, you can be more susceptible to like anxious thoughts that can go off like a little bomb in your head. And mm. sometimes for me, that's all it takes. Whereas if I'm feeling really good and strong, I'll be able to rationalize and say, no, we don't need to worry about that. Mm. But a thought that I had, and I my last episode was about this, was about this fear of um going backwards and, and going back to the crippling anxiety that really took over me many years ago and I I it was almost like a trauma response I got such a fright thinking what if what if I just lose it again what if I go back there what if all it takes is for me to think about it and, he, and saying it now it sounds like okay I've come so far I know I know that I can't go back there but the thoughts alone and whatever else was going on in my in my circumstance at the time gave rise to the very real physical feelings like I, I was feeling really anxious i I had probably kind of a panic attack, but it didn't feel as acute. It was more of just a, like I say, like a surge um, of feeling really like anxious in my chest. I can only imagine what was happening with cortisol in my body or, or adrenaline. Um, and and then I kind of calmed down. But when I calmed down, I was like, okay, this is okay. You know, this is why this is happening. It makes sense. Because I always do that with myself. I, I understand it. I know I, I can name it to tame it. And I can say, you know, go easy on yourself. And I know all about self-compassion and everything, but it always takes me a few days where no matter how much I've gotten there mentally and I'm okay mentally, my body is still trying to catch up with me and the anxiety is still in my body. And I had to go to London. So I was distracted, but every now and then it would just kind of come back and remind me. And this is a very long-winded explanation, but it was almost like the way I understood it was that the cortisol just like takes a few days to settle down again. And during those few days, or maybe for someone else, it's shorter, maybe for someone else, it's longer. But during those few days, I have to be mindful that I'm sort of looking at life through an anxious lens because of what's going on hormonally in my body. And when that settles down, so will those thoughts and so will the way I see things that with a much more 
uh, anxious goggles on, I suppose. So in your experience, and I suppose for myself and for anyone listening to, to understand, how common is it or how normal is it? Is it that while you might get there mentally, there's a, there's a big difference between knowing something and feeling better when it comes to cortisol in your body? Yeah, there's a lot of factors that play there between mental and physical. So that is a very subjective thing. But a lot of people, after they feel that acute stress and that anxiety, it does take the body some time to, I suppose, get out of that feeling of I'm in danger mode, because that's what it says to the body when you're feeling that panic attack and that anxiety is life is dangerous. And you're not going to instantly come back to normal just because you rationally know everything is safe because the body is slower to get the update from the brain. Like you've just, the body has just done all these things to write, okay, blood sugar, we need more of that. We need to escape. Cortisol's high, we need to run away. Adrenaline's high, we need to run away. That'll take some hours, days, weeks, if it's like an acutely stressful time to kind of, for the body to say, okay, I'm going to stop and vigilant now. I think actually everything's safe. And that's like a really um, subjective thing. And it's dependent on what triggered it. So for you, that was highly triggering because you were thinking back, oh, wow, like I know what this feels like. I know what this could turn into. And that like is a big worry. And then the body was physically showing the symptoms of that worry. So like I love that phrase, the body doesn't lie because your body will show you everything that's going on mentally. It'll manifest physically almost. So like when a lot of people have really bad anxiety, they're getting like rashes or their hair is falling out or there's like physical things that are happening to them. And it's like a symptom of that anxiety. Mm, so often And then you're people, panicking about the presence of yes, that anxiety then. Yeah, and then exactly. It's that loop of like, oh my God, now I have a rash and I can't sleep. Anxiety gets worse, but it's actually the initial bout of anxiety that has caused them things. Mm. So- it's like about catching it and like you now have the tools in your toolbox to say right okay I'm going to do x y and z to get out of this feeling and somatic work is so important because exactly what we said there it's not a rational thing like you can't say to yourself oh my god I'm feeling really worried now stop that um Caroline you don't need to be doing that at all stop it like (laughs) your body isn't going to immediately respond and say okay anxiety button stop it's like over, that's why somatics is so uh, like movement is so important because you can't mentally rationalize what's happening. So you need to physically feel safe. So that's why all the movement based therapy is so important, like different somatic work of trying to feel safe. So like you see all over online now, there's like people doing shaking, somatic shaking, and they're doing like hip circles or they're doing havening where they're rubbing rubbing their arms or they're giving themselves a hug. All them things signal to the body and speed up that safety response. So when you can't rationally, mentally feel safe, try physically feel safe. And that really, um, you know, speeds up the process of the body recovering from an acutely ang- anxious period. So I think that's I had a conversation with someone the other day and she does therapy and the therapist has now started doing obviously she does talk therapy, psychotherapy, CBT, but they're also doing some somatic work in the therapy session as well because the two complement each other. And I think that's slowly but surely becoming clearer to people that I can't just like meditate, journal and talk my way out of this feeling of anxiety. I also need to do some level of movement to get rid of that like anxious energy in the body. Absolutely. It's such such good advice 
I know we're kind of short on time and I'd love to get to a couple of questions from listeners, but if I could put you in that position of imagining yourself, you know, coming off of a panic attack for whatever reason Mm. um, or a really intense wave of anxiety for a period of time. I know you say that, look, you have to find what works for you and there's so many things out there. You obviously have a very good awareness of yourself and a handle on what works for you. Mm. I know that you do things like dip into the the cold Irish sea, the, the thoughts yeah. of that give me anxiety. <laughs> not for everyone, definitely not for everyone. But what for you, how would you go about reducing your cortisol or, or settling or balancing your nervous system in the exact moment that you feel it? Like what would you do in the short term? Yeah. So immediately for me. Like, and then what would you do in the long term? Yes. So say if you're in the office, for example, and you can't jump into the sea or you can't do like, shaking or movement you know I always my number one go-to is breath work so the physiological side which is your inhale in your sharp inhale and your exhale throughout your mouth um or four seven eight breathing four seconds breathe in seven seconds hold eight seconds exhale or your box breathing breathing is always my go-to because it's discreet you can do it anywhere and it's something that I incorporate into every day through um, teaming it with other activities that I do anyway. So like I'll be deep breathing when I'm washing the dishes or when I get into the car, that triggers me to do the deep breathing. It's like I associate it with that action. So I always do that, not just in the acute period, but as much as possible. But when we're talking about the acute um, period of like after the stress, it's the breath work I go to first. And for me, I heavily rely on movement. So um, before I was a health coach, I was a physical education teacher for 10 years and I went into PE teaching because movement for me was always a massive way for me to rationalize things and feel good and like the endorphins, the serotonin, all that. So I always re- now rely on walks whenever I can and just have like a phone free walk that alone psychologically when you move forward and your eyes are scanning your location, which we naturally do when we walk, that's highly regulating. We're meant to be outside. We're meant to be distraction-free a lot of the day. Um, And that alone, the walk and the breath work, is enough to bring you back into a state of, of I'm okay. And there are two tools that are so simple, but so, so effective. Um, and then in the long term, the long term then is all about building that written plan. So the one time you won't do stress management is when you're stressed. So ironically, so it's about having that concrete plan of, okay, when I'm acutely stressed, this is what I do. And you follow that plan until it's automatic and you can associate them exercises with that feeling. So the acute stress plan would look like, okay, I'm going to do 10 minutes of breath work. Then I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. Then I'm going to ring a friend. And you have like a cascade of things that work for you. You say, okay, I'm going to sit down with a weighted blanket and put a like light a candle. I'm going to read a book. You're trying to find things that are letting the body know it's safe. And I think having your day-to-day stress management plan and your acute stress management plan are two different things. So your day-to-day is what you're doing to keep managing stress ongoing. And your acute one is them extra things you need to make the body feel safer. So I think that's the way I go about it. And that's the way any client I have with high anxiety or they're recovering from um, traumatic experiences. They have their plans made. We make acute and daily stress management plans so that you know that the tools won't really work very well unless you're doing them when you're not stressed as well as when you're really stressed. It's an ongoing thing. And I think that's where people think, you know, meditation doesn't work for me. Breathwork doesn't work for me. 
because it's like a muscle. You have to strengthen the muscle. You have to do it repeatedly through the good and bad times. So it's really going to work for you when things are really difficult. I agree. It's it's so important. I think that people really overlook and underestimate the significance of diet on anxiety. They think, well, what is having this bowl of broccoli going to do for my panic attack? And I know in that sense, it sounds kind of uh, like ridiculous. But <laughs> do you find, I mean, I have learned over a long period of time, I've learned that when I feel, you know, myself get more sensitive, my nerve system a bit more dysregulated, I'll like completely step back from caffeine for one and sugar. But it doesn't mean that I like don't ever have it. Like when I like right now, I feel fine. I'm having my cup of tea every day. I'm not a coffee drinker anyway, but um, and like I can have my bit of chocolate and it's it's beneficial because it feels nice and it makes me happy. But if I'm feeling anxious, I'll know it'll be kind of like adding more fuel to the fire. Yes. Yes. Would you have a kind of lean in, lean out approach with your diet as well? Um, the diet is it's a funny one because it's like the stress management plan. The one time you let the diet go is when you're feeling really stressed, but that's the time that it's the most needed to have the blood sugar balancing regular meals because an actual stressor to the body is when the body isn't fueled right and doesn't have the right nutrients that actually adds fuel to the fire and adds to stress. So like when you're eating, um, say for example, you have pasta for your dinner, but you don't have a good source of protein and fat, that's like creating this feeling of, okay, blood sugars are high and I don't feel calm. Like that sugar rush sometimes just makes it more difficult so I think that's the thing it's like overall trying just haven't been mindful of okay I'm trying to get more protein into each meal I'm trying to eat the regular meals maybe even at set meal times if you're that person that forgets to eat because you're so busy and rushed um and I think that's a massive reason and that's my whole nutrition ebook is is exactly that point it's how to manage courses through food and it's, it's the specific food groups and the specific nutrients and trying to make it as simplistic as possible so that when your head's really busy with all these other things, it's not a big chore to eat, eat well. And there's like a lot of ways you can do it in a really easy way. Like I have some clients that initially they were like just saying, OK, I'm just going to eat a savoury breakfast. Like I'm just going to quit the croissant and the like sugary coffee in the morning and I'm going to just have like a savory breakfast instead, you know, your avocado on toast or your eggs, whatever. Um, And that alone is a way to regulate the stress because your body's feeling satisfied and you're giving it enough nutrients. And then that really decreases the need for the sugar cravings, which the high stress sometimes causes. So I think like taking a really simplistic approach saying, okay, I'm going to try have three regular meals. I'm going to try have a savory breakfast I'm going to try not eat and snack too late because that'll impact impact the quality of my sleep. And at the end of the day, it's all about the good quality sleep. So, yeah, I think with food, it's, again, so relevant to that individual person. But the main basis is trying to have a blood sugar balancing diet. How do you balance your blood sugars? You have protein and a small bit of good quality fat in each meal. So protein is really key, not just for for building muscle or anything physical, but for managing stress as well, which yeah, I think is really so. well known. Yeah, it's it's like because if we don't have the protein element, the body's always looking for the protein source. And then the body doesn't like it just looks for the quick fix. So that's why you might be craving like the chocolate or the sweets or the crisps, because your body's like, even though you're getting enough calories, you're not getting enough nutrients. Yeah. And that's the difference. The body's just like, give me anything that's going to give me a quick source of of um sugar or fat it doesn't realize that 
okay, we can get these in better ways. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that's that's like a massive part of the loop of the anxiety is that we neglect the food because we don't have the headspace to think about it. And that in turn impacts our anxiety levels and our sleep and the loop just kind of continues. So if, even if you picked like one to two things you're going to do on a day-to-day basis to help that, that would be massive help. I'll have to have you back on to do a, a deeper dive into um your book and your ebook and nutrition and cortisol. But for now, let me just throw some quick fire questions at you and then I will I will let you go on to your to your next thing. Um oh, this is the most common question is can high cortisol cause weight loss or weight gain? It can because not necessarily because your cortisol is high, but what results from high cortisol? So from high cortisol, you will be in fight or flight mode, which means your body will say, right, we need a quicker hit of glucose and we need, we'll crave sugar, right? So that's why a lot of people will gain weight when they're chronically stressed because they'll keep trying to grab sugary things because the body's like the, your hormones in terms of um, hunger regulation are saying like, we need more of this to escape this danger. And some people react differently. They go the opposite way and they don't eat because they're so stressed, they actually can't stomach food. So like, a lot of people, when they're sad or stressed, will eat. Then there's the other camp of people which will do the complete opposite. I so, was the opposite. Yeah, I lost yeah. so much weight when I was at my worst time. Yes, and that's I would. I'm the very same. Can't really stomach anything when I'm acutely stressed. Now, when I'm just a bit anxious, it's I'm like I'm not thinking about it, and I I eat. But you know, when you're really like when you were in that really stressed state that's when it's like very hard and you'll see people oh my god you look great and they're like oh I'm, I'm dying inside because they can't eat and that's another thing um that's not really well known most people just think oh if you have high cortisol you put on weight but that's definitely not the majority like that's probably more than 50 percent of people and then the other camp would be like yourself who wouldn't be able to eat but I think it's dependent on the degree of anxiety you're experiencing as well because anxiety is the word alone is very different to different people. Uh-huh. So some people won't say they're anxious unless they're like stuck in the house and and, and mentally are, or really don't want to leave. And other people's anxiety is I had a bit of, you know, an hour of worry today. Yeah, I know. Does high intensity exercise raise cortisol levels? So this is how I look at that, right? With your stress levels, say if you're chronically stressed, okay, you have to gauge what that exercise feels like so you'll know if you're chronically stressed and the exercise feels sore the next day you're exhausted and you can't move you know to pull back from high intensity but if your level of stress means that um a workout feels good and you feel energized well then crack on with it but if you're doing 5 a.m fasted cardio every morning and you're feeling fatigued well you know then you're thinking okay maybe i should have a breakfast and do more weightlifting and more low impact as well as some cardio so that one is like there's no yes or no to that at all because it's so depending on your situation but a lot of people the cause of like a lot of stress in the body is because they're doing just a lot of high impact exercise but they're not nourishing the body properly they're not getting enough sleep and they're not managing stress well so like when I I suppose 2020 for me exercise felt awful like I felt so fatigued because I wasn't getting enough sleep um and I wasn't getting enough food so for me it was like okay stop pull back from that do more walking do more low impact um like the ideal sweet spot is like if you're doing weight resistance training two times per week even if that's just 10 minute sessions in your sitting room with no equipment just body weight 
plus you have like your one or two days of cardio then you have your other days of like um some level of low impact mix of cardio weight resistance whatever but i would definitely not say do nothing because then if you you're really stressed and you do absolutely nothing that then can actually feel really bad too so it's about trying to find some level of movement for your state like for me at the time it was walking and it was like 15 minutes of weight resistance training in my sitting room holding one of my kids as the weight and that literally that was it for a year because going back to running and I used to do a lot of triathlon and stuff Jesus even the thought of it was exhausting at the time so you know yourself what feels feasible and what doesn't and and that's it like I think a lot of high intensity stuff gets a bad rap because a lot of people we remember that Peloton time everyone was like let's get up at 4am and get on our bikes and then we'll have our breakfast three hours later like of course that's going to create stress in the body that's like exhausting if you're doing that repetitively over time and especially for anyone with a reproductive cycle you want to match that level of intensity to how your body's feeling energy wise so different parts of the month you'll have different energy um, most men can exercise at a pretty standard level five days a week and it feels okay as long as they're managing sleep and stress okay because they have that 24-hour clock whereas we have that 28-day rhythm so well, give or take so that's important as well there's a good few factors to look at with exercise because you will become burnt out with exercise and um, you will feel fatigued if you are not listening to your body. And that sounds like such a cliche statement, but I didn't even know what the hell that meant up until about three years ago. I didn't know what listening to the body felt. I was like, right, I'm going to the gym five days a week. Um, End of story, like shut up and just do the work, which was creating so much stress on my body. But you know, like again, a few years ago, everything was like no pain, no gain, Um, culture, you know, let's go boss ladies, whatever. And that's like a recipe for a disaster. If you, if you feed into that and think like, oh my God, I'm a machine. Like we have to do this mechanically every day. We're not robots. You have to listen to the body. Absolutely. Last question. Is there a way to measure cortisol? Like, should we be measuring our cortisol or is it more just a feeling we should get to know? Um, well, there's two ways to look at that. You can get measured in your GP or healthcare practitioner if you have the symptoms that look like it. So like they might do a blood test or urine or saliva but or a Dutch test. But it's very hard to measure it because our cortisol is has a pattern of four points throughout the day. So it should rise in the morning and then it's slightly declines throughout the day until in the evening it's, it's lower. So it allows us to go to sleep. Um, but a lot of people's patterns are backwards, especially if you're really anxious. You'll have really high cortisol in the night and then it'll dip in the morning. So it's very hard to test that because you need to test at different points of the day. So that's, yeah, there's a few different tests and your healthcare practitioner will recommend the one that they see best fit. Or you can just look at your symptoms. So you might have all the symptoms of high cortisol, but your lab work shows that you have normal cortisol levels. But you still trust your symptoms, you know, like the lab work just mightn't show it for whatever reason. But you still might be feeling really anxious. You might be having 3 a.m. wake ups. You might have that extra belly fat. You don't really know why you have it. Um, And you have all these symptoms and you're like, oh, but the lab work says I don't. Well, listen to your symptoms. And so that's the biggest advice I'd say, like regardless of the test, you will know a lot from what symptoms you are experiencing. 100 percent. Becca, thank you so much for your expertise and for explaining everything so well. There's Thanks so much for having me on, Caroline. So much more we could discuss. Um, where can people find you? 
So health with Holland, I always say that it's health, H-E-A-L-T-H. I don't know what it is. I can't. Nobody understands when I say health with Holland. I think you're saying hell, hell with Holland. Yeah, hell, hell with Holland. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on that on Instagram mainly and then TikTok and Facebook as well. And you have your ebook. Where is that? Yes, that's on my link in my Instagram bio and my website, healthatholland.com. And I have the nutri- Rebalance Nutrition ebook. And that's all for anyone that's wanting recipes and understanding their body and hormone balance in general. Um, it's kind of two books in one. And then I have my Cortisol Conqueror ebook coming out in January, which is an extremely exciting resource because it's everything we need for anxiety, nervous system regulation, somatic exercises, vagus nerve exercises, and just like it's your go-to book for making that stress management plan that you have for life. So that'll be at the end of January. Wow, it sounds so good and so needed. And I'm sure it'll do really well for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much, Caroline. Great to speak to you. Take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.